What is up? Happy holidays and welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news, tips, and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. Put down that eggnog. <laughs> We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who've made this podcast possible. Of course, they're makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom stable sclera lens. In case you're wondering, I'm about to get down on some Christmas meal here. I'm on the East Coast. My, my name is Dr. James Diem, and I am joined by who other than Dr. Roya Habibi on the West Coast. Roya, what's up? Man, that was a good one. You nailed that. It's just holiday spirit and all. You must be like a little Santa over there. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry, happy holidays. Maybe a Christmas elf. <laughs> Merry, yeah. happy holidays. Yes. We're, we're, right. we're covering all the bases here. Yeah, we don't have to discriminate. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, agnostic, whatever you're, whatever you're choosing. Yeah, or you're just, hap- you're just happy to have a day off. Exactly. Hopefully you have a day off. I know. Do you have a day off? Yeah, good question. Well, um, we are working a half day this Christmas Eve, the 24th. So we're half day in it. And then uh, Christmas Day, we are we are off the 25th. And then uh, the day after, we are also off. Then it's back to the grind because, you know, people are off school and, and uh, home for, for Christmas break. And it's actually a pretty busy time. What about you? Very true. I have you're, today you're off? off, get okay. to lounge around a bit, and tomorrow off, although nice. right back to the grind the day after Christmas. To be honest, I feel yeah. like, yeah, Christmas Day, it's great to be off, but it's more right. important to be off the day after because you ate totally. so much and oh, yeah. <laughs> you had so much like family interaction. It's really nice to have some downtime. Yeah, unwind for sure. Yes. Cool. Very good. And uh, we're doing this special, you know, holiday eve part of uh, uh, podcast here for everybody because, you know, everybody needs a little break from their family. Exactly. And uh, they could pop on over for a little uh, unwind with you and I. A little a little treat, a little gift yeah. miss. We'll call That's it right. Merry Gift Miss. Merry, gri- Merry Gift Miss. <laughs> Our own holiday from Try Beautiful. Not to Blink. So let's give them some some hashtag I news they can use. Okay, well, not news yet. I just want to give you guys a fact because yeah, let's yeah obviously tomorrow's Christmas. Christmas Eve is today. And do you know there's such thing as Christmas eye? Have you heard of Christmas this? Christmas eye? Christmas eye. Is that eye. like a contact lens with a This seems uh, ironic, but I swear this is true. It is actually a seasonal ulcer. Hmm. <laughs> also seasonal ulcer. seasonal ulcer, like a seasonal event. It's a seasonal ulcer that happens actually in Australia, a particular region, uh, uh. and it tep- typically happens in uh, in the summer period, which for us in the northern hemisphere is obviously Christmas time, but uh-huh. happens, uh, it says typically in late November actually, but it is a unilateral, they call it a desquamation, desquamation of the cornea with well-demarcated borders and... Um, it can be progressive, actually involving up to 80% of the cornea. Ooh, that's so good. They believe it's actually due to a beetle, which is disgusting. This has literally nothing to do with Christmas. I know. I don't know why they call I'm it this. very upset about Maybe because it. it stains bright green with fluorescein. Ooh, 
All right. Well, I don't there you know. Go. I don't know who made it up. <laughs> but it also causes, apparently... And the eyes red. A severe dermatitis and a so-called, quote-unquote, whiplash across... Whiplash stripe across the skin. What the hell is that? If we could have all of our Australian listeners tune in and let us know. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. You guys are making stuff up. Never heard of a whiplash. You stripe. treat it, actually, with um, indomethacin or ketorolac. Oh, okay. Yeah. In case it comes up, anyone's down in the... Down in the down land under. down under. <laughs> it's also down called Albury Wodonga syndrome. Seriously? I swear. I'm not joking. A Wodonga syndrome? I mean, it's probably said way cooler than that, you know, in an Australian <laughs> accent. <laughs> Seasonal ulcer, folks. You should know. All right. Could be on your boards or something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> nice. Good. Well, let's write let's hop right into the news. All right, let's get a little news facts. First, kind of a cool article, and this isn't news. I'd like to give a little article review, some Ooh. some top articles, particularly yes. in the past month or two, um, that hit big, particularly in some of the or at the academies. But corneal crosslinking in pediatric patients. This is actually a pretty cool study. So they most studies do. First of all, what do you think about crosslinking, Jimmy? Yeah, I I think. You know, especially with, you know, being you and I, we, you know, fit a lot of scleral lenses and, and that's something that we really enjoy doing. Um, you know, I feel like that's changed the rate at which people end up with uh, the need for transplants. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I don't find a overwhelming desire to put people in a position to work as hard as they need to work in my area to get cross-linking. Um, the surgeon that we work with in our office, he comes into the office, you know, once a week does do it, but it's extremely expensive. Um, and I'm not, I've not, and it doesn't do a ton of it and it's not covered and he's just, he's not that excited to do it. And I haven't really found the need to do a ton of it. And I think probably a lot of a majority of my patients are referred um, and they're a little older already. Um, so I don't have a ton of experience with it. I think we should be able to do it. I think if we were able to do it, it'd be more something in my wheelhouse that I felt more comfortable, you know, being more actively involved with. I know a lot of our colleagues are super into it, but so I, I wish I was more involved and I wish I was more excited, but I'm not. <laughs> well, I guess I'm a solid contrary to yours, but my clinic yeah. does it. And um, okay. I've also been exposed to it since I was in my fellowship years back at KCI because they were part right. of the original Avedra studies. Right. But this study actually, um, it was a five-year follow-up following patients that were under 18, which is kind of interesting. And essentially through the five-year follow-up, they watched the treated eye and they showed statistically significant improvements in uncorrected distance visual acuity, manifest cylinder correction, mean average K. Um, and they also found either an improvement or stability in the mean corrected distance visual acuity. So hmm. it's pretty – oh, and corneal aberrations. So – but what's unique, I guess, in this study is that other studies typically – didn't report an untreated eye, okay? This one did. And it found that the untreated eye, I mean, the, their indication to treat was progression. 
And a lot of people say that you should treat regardless of if there's progression or not because you're assuming that the eye is going to change. Bilateral condition. Exactly. The authors of this study actually, after the five-year study, said they do not agree with the other recommendation to treat the fellow eye without waiting because in this study they found that in the untreated eye – there was stability in both vision and topographical measurement throughout the five-year study. So what does that mean? So essentially, there's no urgency in treating pediatric patients with keratoconus without proof of progression. So there you go. That kind of that kind of speaks to what I'm saying. I mean, like, what I'm, you're I'm saying, just though... I'm not that excited about you it. You should be excited about <laughs> it for anyone who is progressing, though. Right, right, right. Especially right, right. kids. True. I'm, I'm with you. I guess, you know, I find, I guess... You know, this would be interesting. What percent of cones progress? Do we, do we know that? Is that does anyone know? I mean, they progress Can to I become because <laughs> yeah. Call in and let us know. Um, <laughs> I, they progress enough to become a cone, I suppose. But right. But do they progress to the point where they have striae and, and scarring? And you know, I I'd say you know, I mean, I have those patients, but you throw a lens on, and you know. They're 2020, 2025. And the other eye has like form frost or, or moderate cone and toss a lens on that eye and they're good to go. So I don't know. And I, you know, I think you and I, we talked a little bit about that poster that was uh, presented at Academy of Ophthalmology this year where um, you could actually ingest riboflavin. Oh, and right. And look at the sun. Remember we talked about yep. that? And I haven't put that in a play yet, but I think it was. I'm gonna have to look, but I think it, I'm. I'm thinking 600 milligrams. I'm just totally pulling that out of thin air. But you can ingest oral riboflavin, so that's something I've been thinking about. And they they have topographical maps to prove that there was some benefit there with their patients doing this. So I would think if I saw I someone know. progressing, I'm not gonna go tell them to go buy some riboflavin and eat it. I'm gonna send <laughs> oh, them to no, go no, cross linking. No. But if someone is steady or right, stable, right. maybe I wouldn't I would that's I'm not opposed to telling them so to So let do me that. play devil's advocate for this this study about not treating the other what's the harm in treating it? I guess for a pediatric patient, I guess the biggest thing is pain or I mean, so you're an epi you, off place, definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay. I mean, I don't think that we can penetrate the epithelium as well as you can with epion. I saw I enough patients that, coming yeah. back and doing the study that I was involved in, and yeah. they had already gotten epion, but they oh, were really? showing signs of progression. And I'm not saying that it doesn't sometimes work, but the effectiveness of epi off works. You know what this I'm saying? is this is a pretty hotly contested thing, right? Because you had you, it's the Avidra trial, right? Right, and then the corneal crosslinking USA, USA trial, exactly. And they were the Epion people, and and those people like swear Epion is just as effective. I'd actually I should reach back in my files because I wrote a review on the two while I was at KCI Institute, and maybe maybe you could post it. Yeah, I should try and see like if I can a find it. Synopsis of it. Um, the I think the biggest thing is that riboflavin is a pretty large molecule, and it's very poorly right. penetrates the epithelium. Right. And so, it's just the ability to saturate the cornea when you take the epi off is so much more effective, right. and the epi on people have this like crazy formulation of what they're using that's 
that's a uh, non-disclosed what what's in their formulation of riboflavin. Oh, really? I think that was it. I mean, I gotta again. This has been like four years since I've looked at that, but That's, that sounds good. And I, also, you know. fun fact: um, surgery is only necessary in keratoconus about ten to twenty percent of patients, according to um, iSmart keratoconus. So I would say maybe that means that many. I mean, there is. How many people progress is sort of a relative term because how many people do we not know have a keratoconus? But the bigger question is who progresses to something that's visually significant or no longer tolerating contacts because that's really when it matters. And and how do you know when you look at them and they're 25 if they're going to turn into that 35-year-old who has that, you know, ugly scar, you know? So Well, to play devil's advocate for you, I mean... yeah. What about like in the same reference? So keratoconus is a much bigger deal because you end up needing a transplant potentially. That's your that's your fate, right? Right. If, at worst yeah. case scenario. But what right. about myopia control? Today I actually had a patient. She's 23. She graduated school. I actually saw her for two years prior. I've seen her every year. She just started working with Microsoft and is a software designer. And she, in a matter of nine months, has progressed one diopter. Wow. 23. She hadn't progressed so how, before at all. And then you the, see cross-linking involved in that? Not cross-linking, but should I do some sort of like myopia control for her? Like should I yeah. recommend some sort of, you know, like we just got the natural view contact? Like should I right. be doing that? And if not, how should I just say sorry? She's 23. She's changing hmm. by a whole day after in a whole year. I mean, no, less than a year. And... For me, just to be like, okay, I'll give you your prescription. I almost felt guilty a little today. She needs vision therapy. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. Whole another story. Tonics. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, Next somebody's up. Somebody's going to be mad at me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Contact lenses. We'll be, we're on that topic now. So back last year, the FTC sued... 1-800-CONTACTS for an anti-consumer agreement. So actually, this was back in August of 2016. The AOA, well, the FTC actually uh, filed a uh, action against 1-800-CONTACTS saying that um, they were revealed, or basically the suit revealed an anti-competitive sales tactic that 1-800-CONTACTS was purportedly employing to suppress competitive tactics, harming patients, and restraining competition in online advertisement. And then just recently, so they tried to appeal this action of course right and just a couple days ago actually they uh came back and said nope you're like you're still you're still being sued for this sorry right. folks they're upholding the decision and um, this was a big win big this win good yeah and yeah. actually it's pretty cool because this is through the ftc ftc uh the aoa of course gave recommendations but the ftc is the one who's pursuing this action sure sure yeah, and and they're also you know it's that's a that's a tangled web because you have that going on where you know one eight hundred is being sued or uh, at least you know um, currently in litigation and lost that that current court battle, but yet they're also uh, working to change the 
you know, the language for uh, whether or not uh, optometrist, ophthalmologist, whoever prescribes a contact lens, a medical device needs to give a handwritten notice to verify that they've been given a prescription. So there's a lot of stuff going on right there with the FTC, 1-800-CONTACTS and organized um, eye care company or uh, organizations like AOA and, and the American Academy of Ophthalmology. But this is a good one. And I think it makes sense. And, and if you look into the suit, you know, which we could post uh, the um, further information about it, but it is crazy, the stuff that they've been doing to try and, you know, limit, uh, you know, what consumers know about their need for eye care and, and contact lenses and, and so on. So good job, FTC. Yeah. Don't say that too often. I know, right? And we have a fun question for some of our guests. Jimmy, yeah, I think so, you should have yeah, honest this here. Is, this is... Yeah, so this came up, I was doing a glaucoma talk recently, and um, I was, uh, so I'll do a little plug for the Optometric Glaucoma Society, a little group of doctors that get together, I'm a part of it, um, ahead of uh, the academy every year. And it really has the, um, every year, really, really good uh, speakers on glaucoma throughout the entire country and world. They have really the most world-renowned speakers. So every year, you know, somebody comes in, talks about the latest research they're doing, talks about some seminal uh, studies, and, and um, this topic was brought up a couple years ago. And I have to say, I didn't really know that much about it. And now it's like part of my DNA, like it's just part of uh, who I am because I know this research. So um, this is going to be part of our Are You Smarter Than a First Year boom, topic? Boom, but boom. this is really probably way beyond that. So uh, it hopefully will give some of our student listeners some cutting edge information and practicing docs. Hopefully it'll update your current uh, line of, of thought with glaucoma patients. So let's say you have a patient, has elevated eye pressure, right eye 25, Left eye 19 on three consecutive visits with that same pressure with Goldman. 25, 15? 25 and 19. 19, okay. 25 right eye, 19 in the left eye. Okay. Okay. And so you look and uh, you look at the optic nerve. The right eye is like a 5-5 five, five, vertical by horizontal. So 0.55 by 0.55. Got it. Okay. And the left eye is like a three five. Let's say it's a three five. Definitely okay? a three five by three five. So it's pretty pretty normal. Um, and the right eye may be a bit a little bit big. That's just me, you know. So and then you do an OCT. The OCT shows a mild RNFL thinning on the right eye, vertical and horizontal. So so make believe that everything's green except the the top and the the bottom there. The twelve and and six o'clock sliver is yellow. Okay. And the left is all green. It's perfect. No thinning. Uh, you do a visual field, and they are completely clean and reliable. There's no um, uh, issues with reliability there. Yeah, no reliability index issues. So what do you do? And I think there's – so you've seen this patient on three different occasions. They've had consistent IOPs. Right eye is consistently higher than the left. Right eye is larger and the uh, RNFL is uh, thinning on the right, and there's there's no uh, parametric uh, glaucomatous damage. So one or A, do you monitor? See him back. B, do you start treatment in both eyes? 
Or C, do you monocular trial? Suspense. So we are not going to answer that question right now, right here, because I could go on and on, but I'm not going to do it. I want you to <laughs> ponder that this Christmas Eve with what? your eggnog A and your feet up. Suspenseful thing. Yeah. So <laughs> that will be posted the, the day after Christmas. So come on back to the website here. Uh, try not to blink on Facebook and uh, our Instagram. We're going to have a little little information here, a little literature review, uh, giving you the, the best, most up-to-date way to treat glaucoma. And in that vein, I think you have some interesting things to talk about with glaucoma. So true. In fact, <laughs> in August, the Journal of Glaucoma published a pretty cool study. This is not going to disclose any of your secrets, so don't you worry, yeah, everyone. Please, don't do submit that. your answers. Jimmy mentioned, forgot to mention this, but you can actually text or call in. The first yeah, five right. people to do that are actually going to get some badass mugs. Slash swag. I mean, we got a lot yes. of swag to give out. Those who of you so who missed swag. all the cool swag from Academy, we still have it. So don't you fret. So call in. Good, you know, whether it be the best answer or the funniest answer, we oh, yes, are willing. That's right. We don't. We don't care if you're actually no. right. No. <laughs> whatever. Fact, whatever gets encouraged. Not being right. One or the other. Cool with that. Yes. We we also like pictures and video. Yeah. Um, if you go to our Facebook, you'll see a great video of uh, Jake, the intern at my office. He he got some sweet swag the other day. And so you can see kind of what some of the swag looks like. So. so, anyhow, the Journal of Ophthalmology or the Journal of Glaucoma published the four questions every clinician diagnosing and monitoring glaucoma should be asking. Okay? So I'm going to read over a couple of them. I mean, obviously, there's only four, but here are some that I think are pretty cool. Question number one. When do you perform an OCT scan of the macula? Jimmy, go. I, to be honest, when we do an OCT of the optic nerve, we do one of the macula at the same time. Um, so that's what we do. It seems like <laughs> why wouldn't you just do that, right? Yeah, yeah. It seems like such an easy thing. So at my clinic, I don't can't do... can't bill for it, but... No, know. exactly, but... What if they have something simple like even a, a little baby ERM or something like I'd rather just see it. I mean, you're already doing the technology and they're already their right. heads in there and ready to go. You have to move their eyes. Yeah, it it kind of frustrates me sometimes when because we don't do our own testing. My tech, we, we have a whole set of technicians yep. that do all of our photography right. and some of them don't standardly do Mac OCT when I'm asked for a optic nerve head OCT. And I'm always like, damn, I wish I noticed that earlier. <laughs> after, after they're gone is usually when I notice. But anyway, their recommendation is if you're going to be performing an OCT, it should include both macula and disc, either in a single yeah. scan or in two scans. Um, and again, sort of as I was mentioning, but it's a mistake not to since the disc scan um, can miss actually things that can be seen on a cube scan of the macula, um, even related to glaucoma. And, of course, avoiding missing other non-glaucomatous macular damage that could contribute to certain complaints or visual field abnormalities. So easy test to do. Definitely no-brainer. But and, and a lot of them now have, you know, the GCC or ganglion cell complex measurement. So to me, that's a very important metric that I, you know, want to have for every glaucoma patient. So Absolutely. 
Another question is, when do you perform a 10-2 visual field? This is a good one. What do you think, Jimmy? I am bad about this. I need to do it more often. I, I think I should probably, you know, in, in for just generally speaking, maybe once a year, yep. maybe once every two years. I don't know. So interestingly, they say that when you're going to perform a 24-2, you should perform a 10-2 within the first, like you should be performing both within the first two visits or so. And it says it's uh, currently clear that local arcuate damage near fixation can occur very early in glaucomatous process. And this damage is more common in the inferior macular region or the superior paracentral, paracentral visual field. I feel like that's like opposite what you learn, right? I know. Like that's the last thing that gets affected. Right? I know. I mean, generally speaking, I guess because it, at the at very end, kind of closes in for right. more standard. But this is different. This is like more subtle changes. I think. Oh yeah. And maybe that's why the ten two picks up on it. You know, one the of the doctors, and I'm going blank on his name. One of my attendings back at the Monterey VA, he used to always say. You can't say this is not a glaucomatous pattern for a visual field defect. Yeah, there are oh, yeah? there are glaucomatous patterns, but just because something's weird doesn't mean it's not a glaucomatous pattern. Hmm. Yeah, because that's like what every one of my charts says. <laughs> <laughs> non not glaucomatous defect, non glaucomatous defects observed. I mean, um, I don't know. I guess I guess yeah. it's I mean, there are ones no, that, that are non glaucomatous. You know, but that just sounds to, like something a VA doctor would say. I know, right? Um, another thing to mention is it says that abnormal 10-2 VAs were found in many eyes with 24-2 mean deviation values better than minus 6 decibels which is a common definition of mild glaucoma. So even in lower values or lower lower changes seen in a normal 24-2, you still can find an abnormal 10-2. Hmm. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. I know. On Christmas Eve. By the, by the journal <laughs> of Glock. Um, last one I'll go over is how do you know if visual field and OCT tests agree? It says, I'll just give the wrong answer. I use summary statistics such as 24-2 mean deviation and global or quadrant averages of RNFL uh, thicknesses. Basically correlating the two. Like if you're superior quadrant and your mean deviation is is low or high, sorry. It's saying it's much better to actually topographically compare abnormal regions on the OCT to abnormal regions on the visual field. Okay. That's so. That's not the right thing to do. Is that what you're saying? What I just said is the right thing to do to compare okay, good. regions. Right. That's what I do. Yeah, like the inferior defect on the OCT matches the superior defect on the visual field. Yeah. Okay. It says generally held belief uh, that the structural damage precedes functional damage, um, which is quoted all all the time. We all hear that, right? Right. Um, of- yeah. Often is quite misleading because it says that there is often very much a correlation, at least a small one. Hmm. But well, that's interesting. This is basically saying everything you knew about glaucoma, forget about it. Yeah. Four questions everyone should know. Hmm. Anyways, okay. go online to read more. We have it linked to our our page. Nice. Well, let's talk cool. about some holiday issues i obviously talked about the christmas eye 
Well, but, hopefully everybody's going to watch uh, a Christmas story tonight or tomorrow night or at some point you're going to put on TV and you're going to see the story about the little boy who you know shoots his eye out and uh his dad who gets the the uh the the um what it's the the leg lamp, right? And puts it in the the wind. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm gonna be honest. I haven't seen the Christmas story. Oh my god, you don't. You've never seen it. But I do story? know his name is Ralphie, right? Ralphie. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Ralphie. And uh, yeah, the image of electric sex in the window. That's what they say. <laughs> um, you gotta watch it. It's literally on 24 hours on Christmas. So um, anyway, you'll shoot your eye out, right? That's right? that's where this all comes from. So you know. The holidays can be a dangerous time. So here's some things you need to do to watch yourself. Now, probably most of you that do celebrate Christmas have already gotten your Christmas tree. I went out and got my Christmas tree a couple weeks ago. It is a ceremonial experience. Uh, we get out there, and despite the fact that the guy at the place has an electric chainsaw and a four-wheeler that he will drive me out to the tree so with lazy. the electric chainsaw and cut it down for so us, lazy. put it on the four-wheeler and bring it back. I got to walk out there. So lazy. With? No, no, no. You're I supposed don't to do that. bring your own saw. They have a saw there. Nah. Because I'm not, you know, man enough apparently to have don't one. Don't you have a farm? A saw Did there, you have brought your own farm? One. I walk out there and I cut it down with my own man hands. Oh, my God. And this is dangerous. So, you know, when cutting or handling your Christmas tree, make sure to wear protective eyewear. Facts. Your eyes may come in contact with dust or tree sap, which can cause an eye infection or an eye irritation of some kind. Fact. Then getting it home. Decorating your tree with glass ornaments can pose a risk to you, your children, or other adults around you. Pets. Make sure to hang them out of reach of small children and pets. Do you do tinsel on your tree? Tell me what color lights. This is a very all white. big Super clean controversy. Chic. All white. All white? Clean chic. Okay. See, my wife is an all white light person. I, I get I get Jill. We get each other. And I am a nineteen seventies big bulb colored light Mm-mm. guy. No. It goes with my mustache. Gross. Which is gone. <laughs> Thank God. But <laughs> that was a hard butt. It, it was it was what perfect. day did it go away? December first. Oh my That's god! I, yeah, it was it was November. So I promised my wife it would be gone December first, and she woke me up in the middle of the night around midnight and stripped that thing off my face. So I'm just <laughs> kidding. I did it live. I did it live on on uh, on Facebook for everybody to see. So oh god, that's I'm glad I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the trees, pine needles, of course, are very sharp could be dangerous for your eyes so when decorating or placing gifts by the tree try not to put items too far under the tree so you don't whack your your eyeball with i've definitely done that before yeah don't do that and all these things can happen when you're taking the tree down too okay they're even drier Um, then and it's dry then yeah of course a big uh fire hazard not to mention right Mm -hmm. you gotta be careful with that Mm -hmm. so (laughs) <laughs> You're not too impressed with any of this information, but so uh all right, let's talk about celebrating. Pomp in the champagne. You're you're uh maybe at your Christmas party, maybe you're at a family party, maybe you're at an ugly Christmas sweater party. When it's time to open the bottle of champagne, hold the cork down when you're moving the wire wrapped around the cork. That's totally fun, right? Have it pop right into the floor. No, no one does that. I used to, when I worked at a restaurant, you were supposed to put a towel over it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
But let's be real. Everyone does those fancy tricks. Do you know how to do that? I don't know anything oh, about a fancy trick. You can Tell you can use it. a knife. This is eye, eye safety 101. Yeah, use yeah, a, knife a knife and sword right the knife to use it <laughs> to open the cork. I'll post a video on the website. Right, you can cool. use a, a sword to uncork your champagne and it literally cuts off even the glass. And it all pops off. It's great. Party so, trick 101. I love it. Yeah. I got two two little ones, two-year-old, six-month-old. My two-year-old is all about opening presents right now. And this this really makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I think, you know, you're just so involved on Christmas Day, you know, that, that you just probably, you know, just like, screw it. Go ahead. Open everything. Go for it. But when kids are playing with their toys, you know, check to see that there's small pieces, sharp edges, harmful parts. Make sure it's actually appropriate that Aunt, you know, Susie didn't buy something that's totally uh, Jack in the know, Box, maybe not age appropriate. Yeah. So uh, did yeah, she get into our... any gifts so far? Has she stole any from under the Christmas tree, or does she have willpower? <laughs> Two-year-olds do not have willpower, but we've been we've been good about keeping keeping them to the side. And, <laughs> you know, one one thing that we didn't want to start this year, but we did because we're weak. <laughs> parents <laughs> is the elf on the shelf no, you, you heard didn't. about this yeah the ultimate big daddy is watching you oh my god <laughs> so yeah now i remember the first time i told her because i was like so excited that she kind of understood about christmas this year i was like oh you know santa claus is watching you she looked at me she looked out the window she looked to like out the room and she just started crying <laughs> I'm like that's that's not what i meant i meant like you know stop yelling and stop crying and whining <laughs> santa's watching <laughs> not like there's some creepy dude outside but i guess that's kind of what it is exactly right? so that backfired that that's what so that's what it is an ultimate yeah you're uh doing some really cool stuff at your office right now and we were talking about it a little bit before but i want to hear more yeah, so I'm rounding out the new year with a couple of ambitions. One of which, which I won't even go into is I'm trying to become a better uh, marketer okay. and like getting my SEO up and fixing my website. Inspiration from our how to be I a, innovate. I innovate just inspired me, so I'm kind of getting it getting it working. But more exciting than that, in fact, very excited about. I am actually working really hard to find a kind of a partnership slash not really partnership at all. I want to have a really good resource for my patients that are experiencing neuropathic pain, especially yeah. corne corneal pain from dry eye. I thought you were going to say you wanted to find this person so you could have them on the podcast. I mean, I might actually because he's a super interesting guy. But so you um, have somebody. I do. Yeah. Okay. So I first what I did was I searched Anyone who is a pain management specialist, I wanted them to be able to walk from my building to someone else. Granted, most people probably wouldn't be able to get an appointment that fast, but people in Seattle are, are lazy. No offense. I am too. And you want to be in your neighborhood where you go. So I found all the pain specialists in my area. Then Seattle has a pretty cool um, yearly thing they do. Seattle Met, which is a big kind of trendy magazine in the area, does a Seattle Met Top Doctors. And it's pretty cool doctors vote on doctors they would refer to like you can't ref you can't vote it for yourself but you can vote in any category of healthcare and who you refer other patients to and so mm -hmm. one of the categories is pain management which is pretty cool wow. pain medicine 
Is so, there an eye care one? There is. Yeah. Oh, Ophthalmologist. Okay. And, and then you have your categories within ophthalmology as well, which is awesome. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. But anyways, they uh, I went through the past like five years and wrote down all those names and saw which ones lined up with my area. And then actually, literally, I'm, all, I'm doing this during a lunch hour. My second patient after a lunch hour is the nurse from one of the clinics that I was my first one I was going to reach out to. It was the weirdest thing that's ever wow. happened to me. Cool. I had been like channeling all this mind power into <laughs> <laughs> like preparing what I was going to do. Because, you know, when you yeah. go meet a new doctor, you want to be prepared and like sure. really know what they care to know about. Right. And this girl just slow pitch comes in and she's like, yeah, I'm the nurse at the pain clinic around the corner. And I was like, <laughs> yes. <Wow. laughs> and then I got nice. to see from her perspective, who do you think would be the best? Because you read some generic demos about or, or like bios about what doctors talk about themselves and they're not that great so anyways it was really cool so that's where i'm at i've been in communications with them i'm gonna go see their clinic they have a really cool they teach like tai chi there even and then of course Come they on. have every spectrum of that to um they have acupuncture trigeminal then? nerve blocks acupuncture they have i mean they treat with fentanyl you know they have literally yeah. every range of pain management which is i think really they have cool a marijuana dispensary there they probably do <laughs> no you need a special yeah. license for that oh okay right. actually okay. i'm funny you brought that up today i walked down in bartels which is our like walgreens local walgreens sort of yeah and they had an entire display of cbd products Oh. In the in the convenience Not store, THC, CBD, CBD Pure Charlotte's okay. Web brand, which is that one that got FDA approved recently. Oh, really? Okay. Ton of stuff. It was fascinating. I took a picture. I'll post it. Yeah, cool. super fascinating. Cool. What about you? What are you working on? Anything cool well, to round out 2018? Not nearly as cool as what you're doing, but it's hugely important. And uh, you know, our office is definitely. You know, sometimes our optician will be like. Bro, you know, I was picking my nose today. What were you doing? <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, both my partner and I saw 40 patients. It was just all dry eye, medical, glaucoma, whatever. And um, it's just we get so caught up in that. You know, I even forget, like, when the last time some of my patients had new glasses. You know, and so we're really trying to take a new, uh, fresh look at that. We've hired a consultant to come in. Uh, beginning of 2019 um, he's going to come in uh, three or four times he's going to meet with the doctors and um, really try to focus on us becoming more familiar with our lens designs and uh, the communication the handoff the prescription focusing on multiple lens sales for specific tasks and having you know uh, literature so we were looking at building some some literature for our lanes to you know like circle and prescribe various things in a really quick efficient easy manner so we're really trying to look at that um, build our optical sales build our frame line inventory in a way that supports our, our um, area our demographic so yeah so we're really um, knee deep in that right now and uh, I'm excited you know because I feel like I've, I've been neglecting an opportunity that's been there and uh, I need to grab the bull by the horns a little bit more with it so I think that's awesome I mean yeah. one thing I feel like I do this too of course but when you think about all the problems that people come talking to you about right. ultimately you might end up in the end when you're 
the last five minutes you spend with a patient is talking about some health concern, right? You're going to lose your vision if you don't do X, Y, Z. But yeah, ultimately, the first thing almost every patient, everything, the first question I ask almost every patient is, how's your vision? Yeah. How you see? And it's like yeah. glasses are, and contacts, of course, are the biggest tools to see well. And then sure. we end up getting so worried about their health problems that we right. don't spend that much time talking about their vision. Right. But yeah, I think that's awesome. Well, one Let's little look. discussion I want to have, and this is going to be okay. a brief one because we've been Ooh, talking yes, a lot. Yes. Um, yep. Okay. This is a good one. So it's holiday season and yep. I want to just first say that one of my love languages is gifting. Oh my God. I love, love I mean, everyone's got it. You can deny it if you want to, but regardless, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> I love <laughs> giving gifts. Like yeah, I yeah. love giving gifts. I, I don't actually like getting giving them. them. I love giving, giving them. them. Okay. Because I like finding things that I know someone's going to really like. And I like hearing someone say something that they're going to like and remembering and giving it to them. You know, I, yeah. I, I love doing that. But patients give gifts sometimes. They, Should you yes. take them? I will answer. Yes. Um, Yes. <laughs> that's that's my answer. And I mean, I got a ton of little old ladies and they love feeding me. They love it. Because, you know, it's like a joke in the office. I mean, I've always been a fat kid. It's just who I am. <laughs> and, you know, I, I love to eat. And like when there's junk in the office, I eat it. And I've been known to help myself to things that aren't mine here and there. And so I sort of have a little reputation. And... um you know, so so these little ladies love, you know, bringing in like cakes and sweets and, you know, they, they're making pierogies in their basement at the church. And um, so I get a lot of homemade stuff and I know it's very, you know, it, it's a little bit of a controversial topic. Do you eat that or not? In my area where I'm from and I feel like I'm family with these people, I bring, I eat the food, I bring the food home, I share it with my family. Some people might think that's absolutely crazy. Um, sometimes I do question it, you know. Um, like as if I'm someone's going to poison you or what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think people have that concern. I mean, think about Halloween candy, right? I mean, like if you had Halloween candy that was not wrapped you wouldn't let your kids eat it you people in the northeast are just scared of everything this that's not gonna so this kill isn't you an issue by you i don't think so man um, i have one of my patients she brings me literally a grocery bag full of like usually some sort of weird fruit and yeah. i like some like uh exotic fruit that yeah. i don't even know how to open usually and or it might have like porky things on the outside yeah. and yeah they're awesome. Cool. But I always eat cool. it. Or so, I get a lot of like candy boxes. Yes. Love Whitman's. those. Yeah. Love those. They're out by you at C's, right? Isn't it C's candies? Usually out there? they go a little bougier than that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bougier? Probably we, I get. Um, like nicer? Nicer? Yeah, fancier. Okay. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm joking. No, I don't know. What's what's <laughs> nicer than that? I I'm don't joking. know. Like, I'm totally joking. What's a know. really good candy? Tell me. I don't know. Um,. I don't know. Ghirardelli's was in the Bay. I go. got Ghirardelli's, like little boxes of Ghirardelli's often, but... There you go. All right. Um, 
And honestly, it's mostly I get a lot of fruit for some reason. But West Coasters are healthier like, than you. Like Harry, we don't David give fruit. we don't give pierogies <laughs> over here. <laughs> oh man, homemade pierogies in a little plastic bag. Yep. I would agree, though. I think that again, it's good somebody's stuff. love language trying to give you a gift. I think yeah. it's I think it's a ge- good gesture. Whether you're going to eat it or not, it's a different thing. But I'm always thankful and appreciative. Uh, and I always do try and reinforce, like, you don't need to do this. I still enjoy working with you. You don't have to bring me gifts, but they still usually do. Love it. Real what a, quick. One, last one, yes. Last note. We're going to send off our last, our last recording that is non-academy before the year. And so we have to give everyone one last sell pod. Yes. Hashtag sell pod. Scleral lens listen, pearl of the day. Listen, everybody. Bigger isn't always better. A wise man once said, when it comes to scleral lenses. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, there was this huge, when I feel like when scleral lenses came out, it was all about size, right? You had Boston uh, making, you know, these 20 plus diameter lenses and it was all about- 18 diameter lenses. Huge lenses. Yep. And I feel like everybody was like, yes, you need to have this humongous lens. And then there was, you know, of course, Scleral Lens um, Education Society came out with this this guideline as to, well, if this if it's this big, it's a corneoscleral lens. If it's this big, it's an actual scleral lens. Yeah, why does it Honestly, matter? Honestly, who cares? I think it's total nonsense. Um, it's my own opinion. Okay, it's nice to have some, you know, identifiable nomenclature. Cool, but still a little bit unnecessary i think the bottom line is don't feel locked in by the diameter that you always use or work with and don't think the only option is bigger i think most lens options come in like that 15 16 range somewhere in there um there's some great lens options in the lower 15 14 range even that you know you'd be surprised work really good and in particular i like them on normal eye patients and yep. I've, I've had a whole string of normal eye multifocal lens wearers that i've put in 14.8 custom stable lenses the aurora and the 14.8 and i love it um so i totally bigger agree isn't always better i actually have a dry eye patient who she's been fit in several different types of contact lenses she came to me actually seeking the iPrint Pro technology and oh, um, I actually, you know, I love the iPrint. I fit it often, but I oftentimes, I mean, sometimes people just aren't fit properly in a normal scleral lens. Like somebody fit them before that didn't know what they were doing. And then they right. think the only other option must be this other lens. And, you know, right. it would make me more money if every time I was like, yeah, let's do it. But I often kind of gauge the person in, in kind of trying to understand is it, was that really the best thing you could have had? Or maybe let me try my skills at this. Right. So anyway, a dry eye patient, a lot of us think, oh, you got to go bigger for a dry eye patient. But actually, in my opinion, oftentimes, unless it's like a SJS patient or an OCP patient, then having a smaller lens is actually a little easier because their lenses tend to move around a lot more. So the smaller it can be without being tight um, is actually ideal. And this patient has a super small HVID as well super hard to fit them with the larger lens as well 
So I totally agree. Bigger. I I do tend to get my fifteen eight to sixteen eight set the most, but fourteen eight was a great resource and should definitely you shouldn't be afraid of it. Especially awesome. if clearance isn't as big of a problem. When you have a lot of clearance, right. that's harder. That can be. Yeah. That can be a little. Cool beans. Well, this has been fun. Merry Giftsmas. Merry Giftsmas, everyone. That about does it. Before we go, we'd like to thank Valley Contacts for their support, not only in their amazing lenses, but also the great people they are to work with. Be sure to tune in for 2019. Well, Ooh. we have one more episode, so don't turn into that almost one, too. Almost there. But the year is almost over, and it's crazy. We're going to be celebrating some awesome things in the new year, but until then, try not to blink. <laughs>